0: This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your
1: hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland.
2: What's going on, Digital Wildcatters? Welcome to another week of Oil & Gas Startups Podcast. Got a great episode for you today. Got Jared and Angie the founders of Flow State down here from Wyoming, Casper, Wyoming. Are both of y'all in Casper?
3: Yeah. Yep. Casper, okay. the real city it's known as. Yeah. So we,
2: uh, <laughs> I let them know that I spent some time up in uh,
0: Wyoming and the, the, greatest, cas- the part. growing, right? Like, there's like a lot of people moving out to
1: Wyoming, yeah, right? Yeah, it does seem at least. If you, if you look at the housing market and all that kind of stuff, yeah. it, it feels like, yeah. like all of Colorado is moving to Casper. Yeah, it's yeah. like, everybody, get,
0: get out of our state.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so real quick, tell us what Flow State is. That way we have some context to what y'all do as a company, and then we're going to dive into it. Whichever one Sounds of you great. wants to
1: Go take off. It. So Flow State is a pipeline leak detection company. So we build software. So we're a software-based leak detection company that uses artificial intelligence and machine learning to predict or just discover when there's a leak in a pipeline and, yeah, and get those alerts and those alarms to pipeline operators, be them upstream, midstream, downstream operators that anybody run in a pipe, so they can uh, get to that as quick as they can, be alert as quick as they can, start mitigating those
2: potential. All environmental right. It's that easy. Machine learning for pipeline leak detection. I'm sure uh, there's not a lot involved with that. Um. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I, I think this is actually one of the most interesting things. Um, nexus uh when it comes to technology um whether it's uh methane leak detection or pipeline leak detection because not only do you uh solve problems um in environmental and sustainability but oftentimes you're solving problems from an economic perspective as well because if you're an oil and gas company and you're losing oil out of a pipeline or you're losing you know methane from uh leaks you're losing product right so you're solving multiple problems at one time um before we really start talking about the technology both of y'all have uh interesting backgrounds, so i want to get into founder stories real quick um before we really talk about the the nuts and bolts of the technology i want to hear about y'all's backgrounds and then how you built this solution um for flow state so whichever one of y'all wants to start with the genesis story of how y'all got here
1: sure I guess I'll start, and there's some overlaps in the story for yeah. sure, so, um, so we'll hit we'll hit those as well. So, so Angie and I are both from Wyoming, um, and we met at the University of Wyoming, longer ago than I like to admit these days, <laughs> um, but not that long ago, um, back in the 90s. Uh, and then I started my career as a software developer in Austin, actually. So I lived in Austin during dot-com boom and, okay. but, and bust, right? So, yeah. so, I, so I went through all of that in, in the early 2000s um came back and had a little stint in in defense contracting which actually angie got me into that job too so i'll let her talk about that background <laughs> okay and yeah because i heard there's a lot more i just did
2: like real quick two second look up on linkedin and i saw boeing and uh um, um was it Raytheon? raytheon. raytheon. yeah raytheon yeah. um so we got to dive into that a little bit
1: too yeah, i'm sure that was yeah. interesting you can say that for angie's story <laughs> <laughs> hers her a lot better than mine um and then kind of found my way back to Wyoming, had a previous engineering software startup called Firehole Technologies. So we were named after the Firehole River that goes through Yellowstone Park. Okay. Uh, and we made engineering software. So like uh, design software specific for material, people building things with carbon. Mm-hmm. So like Boeing was our biggest customer. Okay. So they were building like the 787 at the time. Yeah. So they're building the wings and the fuselage out of, out, of carb- out of carbon fiber. So we built software to help them design that. Um, And I actually... One of our other intersects after college is Angie came on board and, and worked with us at, at that company as well. Okay, and then we sold that company in 2013 to Autodesk. Okay, you've probably heard of them, they make yeah. AutoCAD. Yeah, right. So we were really like AutoCADs. I think business. they're like low
0: key, like one of the ten largest businesses in the world. Right? Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're really, um, yeah, they're really big. Yeah, uh, Fortune. Yeah, Fortune. I don't know what they are now in the yeah. hundreds, probably. Yeah, um, based in San Francisco, mm-hmm. uh, the division that bought us was in Portland. So that was pretty interesting for a bunch of you know cowboys from Wyoming. (laughs) Okay, now you guys are Silicon Valley people. Um, Enjoy your trips to San Francisco and stuff like that. So um, I stayed there for three years uh, and worked for them. It was actually it was actually a really fun time. Um, Traveled the world. Like there was one day, one year, I was not in my house two hundred days, and it was everything from Asia to Europe to everything everything in between. Um, Traveling for them started to kind of get this reputation that I could go give a keynote speech for the company. So I kind of, I, I did the crappy ones. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't do one in Vegas. I did the one in, you know, Poland. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, but it was fun. It was really fun. So spent three years there, um, left Autodesk, kind of did some startupy things. So I got really, really engaged in like the startup community of Wyoming. Like that's kind of my passion and kind of still is. Yeah. So started an angel investment fund and started, uh, worked at an incubator, ran an accelerator for a while. Uh, and then we'll get into this, I guess, in a couple of minutes. But then uh, one of my kind of acquaintances from high school back that has a pipeline uh, came to me and decided, you know, we will we think there's some technology here that we're working on that has now become flow state. So awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's, dive that's into a pretty good story, too. too and yeah. it sounds <laughs>
2: like uh, I love that you guys have storied history, you've worked on products together. Tell us your background and we'll we'll bring both sides together. It's a little
3: similar. We're both mechanical engineers by degree and kind of knew each other in college through that. Um, You know, a lot of study sessions together and stuff like that. After school, I went to work for Raytheon in Tucson. They were just hiring like crazy. They hired 2,300 new grads the year that that I came in. So uh, that was a fun time. A lot of young engineers all starting their careers together in Tucson. And my husband and I went out there at the same time and we were there for about 10 years and then... Uh, We loved Tucson, but we missed Wyoming. We're, you know, Wyoming born and bred. Wanted to find a way to get back there. Never thought we'd be able to find jobs in Wyoming, but just somehow the timing worked out. Um, He actually went straight into oil gas. He works manufacturing for uh, refineries. For me, it was a little bit trickier, um, but then Jared gave me the invite to join that first startup that we worked Mm -hmm. together on. When we got acquired by Autodesk, I rode that through. It was great. At the time, I had young children I was able to work remote from home before that was even a thing, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I was working part time for this, you know, fortune 500 company, but also going to have lunch with my kids. And it was great. And I probably would have done that for a long time because it was super fun. Um, the team I was on at the time, you know, it was like eight of us and none of us were co-located. We were all over the place. Like I said, before that was even, yeah, you know, the norm. Um, so I was having fun actually doing that. And then Jared let me know about this opportunity and I wasn't like super excited to get back into full-time work and not only that, but like be the boss. So like you have to be at work. Um, But it was really exciting, the opportunity to get in. I've never worked in oil and gas, so that was going to be completely new. Um, The machine learning aspect was interesting. You know, I've never done that. So that was going to be entirely new. Uh, The most exciting thing to me was actually building the company. So Mm -hmm. the chance to build a company in Casper, try to give, um, you know, some young talent there, the opportunity to do something really exciting and something in an industry that's near and dear to the folks in Wyoming. So that was probably the, the most intriguing part to me.
2: Very cool. So Jared goes and recruits you, gets you on board. Your friend owns a pipeline. He's the one that brings the problem, thinks that y'all yeah. have the skill set to solve this. What What year was that? Can you give some context? 2019. Contests? So 2019. Yeah. Okay.
1: And the technology goes a little bit before that, but, and the story is kind of, I guess, relevant. It's a good time to, to tell it. So it, the, the True Companies, it's a big privately owned conglomerate. I think they have like a thousand employees over like nine states. But um, CAD True, who is a couple years older than me, grew up This in, is
0: in the Casper same Castro True as well. Oil? True mm-hmm. Oil. Yeah. There's two True Oils, actually. A of, yeah. A lot of oil, you can get them confused, but there's a bigger True Oil, which is this one, and then there is a smaller True Oil. Oh, I didn't oil. know there was a yeah. small one, but yeah. yeah. Is that true? I think I've run across
1: yeah, that before as well, true. yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So big, 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 big true. true oil. Big true. All
1: right. <laughs> so so the Tad is the third generation of Trues. Truth is, is their last name. And he runs the pipelines for the for the organization. They have a whole, like everything but downstream, they've got a lot of production, drilling, a bunch of ranches. Yeah. And, and the pipeline. And he runs the pipeline, and they actually had a couple leaks. Um, they had one in 2015 and one in 2016. Um and the, the story he tells, and I, I, he might be a little bit exaggerating it, but he basically got hailed to the governor of North Dakota's office, like, you shall be here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And he shows up, and around the boardroom is all of the other big pipeline operators in North Dakota. And they got a dressing down. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you know anything about Doug Burgum. He's, the, he's still the governor of North Dakota, he's a techie. So I kind of follow him. Yeah. Um, he was the founder of Great Plains Software in Fargo. Okay. And then they got acquired by Microsoft years ago and okay. he moved to Seattle and he was in the C-suite at Microsoft forever. And then he moved back and ran for governor. Now he's the governor of North Dakota.
0: Actually um, so didn't know that. That's yeah, really interesting. it's a
1: cool story. And he, he basically looked these guys in the eyes and said, you guys got two choices. You guys innovate or I regulate. Yeah. And I don't want to regulate. Yeah. So go off and do that. And uh, Tad came back and worked with uh, some of his IT folks and wound up trying to figure out, let's go find some technology for leak detection. Went off and did a huge search. Let's go buy something. Let's go, you know, build yep. something. Couldn't find anything. So they got hooked up with the IBM Watson group. Mm-hmm. IBM's Watson yep. machine learning group. Built the proof of, proof of concept. Let's go build something that actually can work for our pipelines. And that's when it kind of turned into, turned into flow state. Cool. Um, how I got introduced to it is a very Wyoming story. I was literally at the governor's mansion in Wyoming, which is <laughs> like, it, that sounds really cool in Texas, right? But it's not. It's kind of a thing in Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> It's It's not a very big state. (laughs) Um, And and I, I mean, Tad and I were by no means friends, but we were acquaintances. And I knew of all all the stuff they did. And they had a bunch of oil stuff in my head. And they had a bunch of ranches. And he kind of corners me. He's like, Jared, I want to talk to you about AI. And I knew he had a bunch of ranches. And I was like, Dad? When I say AI, does that mean the same thing as you when you say AI? Because I don't know anything about artificial inseminating caps. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no, no, artificial intelligence. You're going to love this. So we came back home the next couple of days and he kind of pitched me on the, on the prototype they had, they had worked with with IBM. And he's like, I think this needs to be a business. Yeah. We eventually kind of ran to, do you want to go take it as a business? Yeah. I'll, I'll invest in it. And yeah. You guys spin it out and take the technology and no do it. I was like, that sounds great. I got a couple conditions, in one of conditions that I could
0: go get Angie. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm curious a little bit. Do you, do you have any more details on the, just so that we understand more of the value proposition, that, that kind of exploratory phase of going out to the market and saying like, hey, we, we're, we're looking to buy something. We're looking to use something. We didn't find anything that really met what we were looking for. Now that's the genesis of boom. Yeah. You know, this being
1: developed. Yeah. So we still run into this like every day. Like, mm-hmm. uh, we're, you know, we're pitching a new customer now. You know, that's like, we, we try to tell our story. Yeah. And that's exactly the beginning of the story is they they tried to find something, right? Mm-hmm. N- n- no big oil company wants to go invent an artificial intelligence technology, right? Oh, that's cool. They'd rather just go buy the product and solve their problem, right? And, and mm-hmm. then and next. And there's just, there's, it, it's, it's, you know, for a couple mechanical engineers, the first time you hear it, you're like, it's flow through a pipe. Like, I kind of did that sophomore year. Like, how, how hard can this be, right? But it's actually a really, really hard problem um, because, it, and it gets even more complicated when you get up into the Rockies because you're going up and over mountains, and you know sometimes these, uh, especially like down in the Permians, is a good example where you're you're drilling a new well every day, so there's new injections coming in all over the place, so you can see flow rates going up and down and all the things, and sometimes when the flow rate drops, it kind of looks like a leak, and it's it's a it's a hard problem. So there's a handful of technologies that are kind of traditional ones um, that like build like little. 1D hydraulic models and try to match your little 1D hydraulic model to the actual pressures that you're and flow rates that you're pulling off the pipes, and it, it, it does a pretty good job on um, some per, some pretty normal pipelines. The trues have a whole interesting kind of smattering of different pipes, so they've got gathering systems up in the Bakken, they've got gathering systems up in the up in the Powder River, I um, mean they got big transmission lines that go in, in between, um, and they needed something that kind of worked on the little systems and the big systems and everything, so they looked. Everything from computer-based systems, drones, fixed-wing stuff that will have, like, sensors on them. And there's mm-hmm. some cool guys doing some cool stuff on that. And they work in occasion, you know. Sometimes they don't work when there's four feet of snow in North Dakota. Sometimes you can't fly your drone when it's 40 below. So there's some, some issues there. Um, there's people doing satellite stuff, but, you know, it flies over a day at best, right? So there just wasn't anything that really could, like, mm-hmm. tell me when there's a leak, tell, tell me fast, and don't make it uh, so it's really, really fixed that when I'm building these big gathering systems, it doesn't really expand. Yeah. Did that answer your question, Hope? Yeah, absolutely. So
2: let's talk about how the technology works. Um, You know, you alluded to, there's a lot of people in the space now that are going about it different. um, You know, you have pipeline detection, which is drone and different sensors, and that's very much reactive. Sounds like y'all are a proactive solution, um, trying to use uh, machine learning to predict and um, stop things or stop leaks before they happen. Is that a correct assessment?
1: Well, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're trying to, like, when they happen. When they happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, All the, right. You know, so but part of the problem with, like, the drones and, and is it, you just, like, you have to, have to be lucky to be flying over, right? So yeah. it could be days and stuff like that. Okay. You know, we measure ours in
2: minutes. Okay. So let's talk about predictive because there have been technologies on the show that have been working towards that, and I'm always really interested especially when it comes to machine learning and artificial intelligence, because there's so much bullshit out there um, <laughs> <Yeah>. across all <laughs> industries. Like you go, most startups will talk about how they have um, artificial intelligence when it's really just a group of um, software engineers or data scientists sitting around a table. And, you know, they have a lot of um, <laughs> just manual processes that's not really true machine learning. And so always like to kind of peel back yeah. and say hey what's actually possible and what can be done with machine learning and i think that especially this industry is starting to get a little bit numb to the idea of artificial intelligence just because there has been a lot of um, crap promises and yeah. crap out there and yes hold on something and then it's like oh you can't actually do it and so um You know, I appreciate that you guys like, no, we wish that we were there um, to where we can predict leaks. But right now we're just trying to identify them um, really quick.
3: Yeah. Machine learning is such a broad term and you can use it for anything under the sun right now. And it's definitely a buzzword that people feel like they need to throw it out. We've been at conferences where it's like literally injected into everybody's topic of their presentation. And you do kind of call bullshit on it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and when people think about it, especially those who maybe haven't spent a lot of time looking at its actual applications, you think, oh, it's some computer, people, people, you know, telling me when a leak is gonna happen. Um, But we are really using it in a very targeted application. So as Jared mentioned, one of the um, legacy solutions that's been out there for decades has been using engineering equations, basically bringing all the data you can, use proven physical equations to try to and when we say predict the flow what they're doing is using all that input data to say this is what we think should be coming out of the line and then you compare that to what's actually coming out of the line Mm -hmm. and if there's a mismatch then you indicate looks like a leak yeah the problem with that is that engineering is very very difficult it takes a long time to nail you know to set up the model sometimes a room full of engineers to do that to get it just right it requires very precise data like there's Eight different ways that that can go wrong or, or start to fall down. Plus, it just takes a long time. Yeah. So you're talking time, headcount, all that's very costly. And so that was the problem that the trues were, you know, were helping to solve. And when they decided, hey, let's throw machine learning at that problem. We get all this data. Maybe the computer can do a better job of that engineering that specific application and so that's really what we're doing the compute, the machine learning does a very good job of learning the operations of the pipeline mm-hmm. so that it can kind of jump ahead of that line and and skip all of that engineering and learn the process learn the operations of the pipeline so when we say it's predicting it's predicting what it thinks the output of the pipeline should be yeah. and then is comparing that to the measured and then just looking for an an imbalance there. So it's actually not as sexy as it sounds, except for the efficiency that it it brings to the table. efficiency
2: is sexy, right? Because I mean, what you explained there is like, hey, look, this is how you'd go about it. You have a room full of engineers and just the modeling and the data um, is going to take so much time to engineer and calculate to even see that anomaly or that discrepancy. We can use machine learning to train this model and it can quickly identify when there's a, a discrepancy between expected um, yep. output and actual. And then you can go at that point, you yeah. know, look into it and address the, the situation. So, And then there's
3: not a lot of arm waving of, here's what we think it can do. We can show them that it works and how much time it saves. And then that's when you do start seeing eyebrows raised like, oh, really? Yeah. That actually sounds real.
2: Yeah. I mean, when you look at machine learning across different verticals, I think, you know, there's been some real... Well, within oil and gas, there have been some really cool applications with machine learning where it really assists engineers and helps mm-hmm. them do their job faster. faster. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that those are always the practical and pragmatic um, solutions. And obviously, you know, we have a lot of uh, moonshot ideas in the world. Um, you know, fully self-driving is a very yep. hot topic right mm-hmm. now, and it's a cool topic. Um and, um, those, those are cool, but there's so much low hanging fruit in industries where you can help engineers and companies ways. do their job faster, more efficient, which is some of these, uh, process, yep. uh, efficiency gains. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, um, so let's talk about, you know, 2019, um, is kind of when y'all y'all form this, then you go into 2020, Um, obviously, uh, COVID and everything that happened there. Um, what's it been like taking the product to market? I mean, what's nice about this is that it was developed by an oil company that had a problem, right? So, um, those are always the best solutions when the end user is saying, Hey, there's a problem we need to develop something. Um, how has it been taking it to the rest of the market?
1: Yeah. So we've really like this year was kind of like kind of, that's the flow state theme of 2020. 20.2, mm-hmm. like sorry, is we're going to market now. So we, we're six months into that, into that take a market. And you kind of nailed it that um, that's really what, what really piques people's interest is we're not like a couple of grad students with this cool kind of little tweaky light bulb that we're trying to figure out the right problem to go solve. Like, yeah. it's, the, it's the reverse. Like, yeah. We know this is a problem. Yeah. We've solved it for, for already for a big customer. Um, we have them as still a really good partner. The, yeah. the, the True Companies and Bridger Pipeline is the name of their pipeline organization they're been amazing to us. So like they're a great reference customer for us. They have this really cool kind of fancy control room that you can bring people in and be like, see, here's the big screen with, with, with flow state on it. Um, and they've allowed us to test this thing to the nines, which is yeah. really cool. So yeah. we've taken, like we take a literally like take a t- truck out into the middle of nowhere pipeline, type in, pump out oil into a frac tank. Yeah. Fake a leak. We've done that like, like 200 times. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's and, what I was
2: going to, I was going to ask also, um, I know y'all are a software solution, so is it agnostic to different types of uh, sensors or systems, or are there yeah, any hardware components to it as well?
1: Yeah, the, the, the instrumentation is one of the things that like machine learning really lends it tel- itself to. Um, so the, the short answer to your question is yes. So we, you know, one of our value props is we, we don't go sell you new hardware. Mm-hmm. We don't go sell you new sensors. Whatever you got, we're going to give you as good of leak detection as we can, given the instrumentation that, that you have uh, on your pipeline. And that's one of the things that, that machine learning is really good at. Um, for example, we just did this gathering system up in North Dakota and it has like nine different inputs. So there's nine different meters coming into a pipe. Then it goes like 20 miles down the road and there's one output, output meter. And those are all attached to different lack, lack units, yeah. which are like, yeah. the, mm-hmm. like the meters at, at yeah. the well, at the wellhead. Um, they're all attached to different ones and they could be on or off at any time because they're, they're run on tank levels and they kind of come in and out. So how's that? So there's. I guess there's eight coming in and one coming out. So nine total. So at any one time, any of those could be on. So there's 256 different combinations of which meters could be on or off. And ne- no meters are perfect. So they all have a little teeny bit of offsets, right? Yeah. So if you were trying to like engineering calculate this, you need to calculate the offset of when these two are on to when this one's on. and When these three are on, when this, these are on. So there's 256 different combinations of, of different offsets you need to calculate. Machine learning just learns that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It just
1: like you give it the data and they're like, got it. It's like, I got it. Right. Yeah. A couple hours later. Yeah. So that's a really good example of how you can use existing instrumentation and still get really good leak protection, leak detection, because the computers are just amazing at being able to learn those kind of uh, combinations. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so it was a long answer to your question, but yeah, we're pretty like, much censoring.
2: I like it. long answers to my questions.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I always tell people it's when you get engineers in here that don't give you long answers. Yeah. You know, like pry information yeah, out of them. Yeah. yeah. A little yeah. short. Yeah. Then yes. That's when we when make a trip over here. Yeah. When you're a, when you're a podcast host, <laughs> you want, you want long answers. So. Yes.
3: Uh, we build software. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've had some of those. I'm like, come on, give me, give me some
2: more information here. Um, Angie, so. Earlier, you made a comment about, um, you know, you never worked in oil and gas. And, you know, this opportunity was exciting to you um, because of the idea of actually building a company and the operations behind it. Um, Let's talk about that a little bit because I'm always interested in talking about building businesses and um, I'd like to nerd out on business models and building teams. Um, What does a team look like for y'all right now? Um, do y'all have any employees? Or is everyone up in Wyoming? Like let's start talking about some of the inner workings sure. of Flow State.
3: Yeah, so we do we're at like twenty-one people. And it's I don't know, it's a real interesting story actually because of a multiple factors. Um, as I mentioned, one of our goals was to build the company in Wyoming, and Wyoming's not necessarily a hotbed for tech talent. So that was interesting and literally. 6 months into building the company there was a global pandemic <laughs> yeah. um so we've just had some strange curveballs thrown at us but it it's been an interesting story so we actually started software development we decided to go with a, a third party contractor mm-hmm. cuz they had it and it was internal to Wyoming so it kind of still met that goal of keeping it local and stuff so they were um a great way for us to start so we didn't have to spend a lot of our time and energy trying to recruit software developers um, in the meantime, we just started picking up some talent along the way. And there's been some interesting stories. Um, one of our developers, you know, was just excited about the problem. He he actually left another Wyoming company just because he was so excited about our solution and was excited that we were building a company in Casper. Um, a chunk of our staff are actually former petroleum engineers or people that were working in the field and mm-hmm. either got laid off or kind of saw the writing on the wall or or just decided it was time for a career change. You know, Some of them were real in the field, on the road all the time, away from family. So they liked the industry, but this was an exciting opportunity for them to do something else. So yeah. for some of them, they just brought the skills, like project management skills that they already had, and we just took that. Some of them had actually left and gone to like a coding boot camp or something and picked up some, some yeah. software development skills. So it, we, we have a really interesting mishmash. Of, so let me, yeah, let yeah. me
2: stop you there because um, I, that part of the conversation excites me because uh, Jake and I are the same way here down in Houston. Um, you know, we're really passionate about the tech ecosystem here in Houston. You have one of the most technical workforces in the world here in Houston, but it's not really known as a software tech hub sure. right and so but you have a ton of petroleum engineers geophysicists people like that that are upskilling and they're going to mm-hmm. boot camps it's funny uh, john calfane's working with us and he's building out all i mean we're doing some really cool things with all the data that we have at digital wildcatters he was a fucking frack engineer yeah. yep that no i mean he knows how to run python and if you can do with frac data you can <laughs> definitely help us yeah, with the data that our stuff uh, is child's play to, yeah yeah you know? and so but you take the real what i'm getting at is you have really smart people in the industry and you take their project management skills you take their technical understanding of uh communication data sets, communication knowing how to talk to the things. guys in the control yes. room like yeah.
3: having that you know not that introverted i just like to found out code so it's it's been a great mixture of skill sets yes
2: yeah and then also um bringing uh, you mentioned that you had someone uh, that was excited about the the challenge and the solution that y'all are building and that's another thing um you know attracting tech talent i had a software engineer from netflix reach out to me a couple weeks ago asking which oil and gas tech companies that they should look at do you have his resume no. yeah i do I do. We, can, we can't <laughs> I do. afford him but. That's, what, that's what i told him i said I, was like, I would hire you but i can't afford netflix yeah. salaries so but he's um, tired
3: of building recommended well yeah and his thing was
2: house. he's like i'm looking at what's happening you're obviously seeing market cycles he's like i think tech's going to be down oil and gas and energy's going to be up he's like i'm looking to see what opportunities he's like plus it just seems like y'all have really interesting challenges to solve and once people get exposed to the challenges they get excited because you see this especially with uh, Gen Z, uh, millennials to some extent, but specifically Gen Z. It's not all about money and compensation. They want to actually be challenged mm-hmm. and work on uh, products that um, have an impact. And so that you know, I, I love the dynamic of attracting tech talent to oil and gas, but then also using oil and gas talent and these engineers and uh, field personnel and um, leveraging the, the yeah. skills that they have. So,
1: and it's some really fun problems. It, yeah, it really is, and 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 they're they're well adapted to some of these really cool new, new technologies, especially pipeline specifically, which is where you know we, we spend we spend all of our time. Um, whenever you talk to like someone about, hey, I want to do this machine learning problem or whatever, they're like, well, you know, you can, but you need to have a ton of data mm-hmm. to be able to do that, right? And it's so like, Google is really good at identifying images because they've got a million images of cats and a million images of dogs, and they're like, well, okay, we know what they are, and we can and then go, training models through caps exactly. captures, yeah. yeah so, so they have tons of data. Um, or if you know it's it, it's one of the examples I use of kind of the the way we use machine learning is we call it regression, but it's kind of trying to predict the future. Mm-hmm. And Google is really good at that because like when you type in your you know half half of your search, you're like, how the heck did you know that? That's that, that, and mm-hmm. they're really really good at kind of predicting the future because they have a billion people all all going at the same time. Well, pipelines are the same way, and it's not really because they meant to, but they just need to know what the flow rates are, and they need to know what the pressures are, and they they've needed this for. 40 years to be able to operate the pipelines, but mm-hmm. they've been really good at, so now they just have all this data. So they're just big data machines. You know, they're, they're really, you know, internet of things before the internet of things was a thing, right? But when you get, when you get to talk to someone who really understands machine learning, they get really excited about it. They're like, oh, I have tons of data to work with because usually they're trying to build these crazy machine learning models in a data-starved environment. And it's the opposite. We have way too so you, much data.
0: So you are actually using historical data to actually train these models yep. and then doing the test on top of that. So yeah. it's not just moving yeah. forward. Yeah. Ideally,
1: that's what we do. Um, oh. Sometimes people don't have historical data, like when they're building a brand new pipeline. Right. Is, yeah. there,
0: is there an instance where you have like a lot of historical data that's absolutely like what would make that useless for training a model? Is there any scenarios like that?
1: Um, it, there are some situations, um, especially if the pipeline changes a lot. Yeah. Right? Like if you're putting in new injections or you put in a new meter and new pumps and stuff like that mm-hmm. then it's kind of diff- yeah, yeah. different yeah it's kind of different but usually yeah i mean if it's a, a pipeline that hasn't changed in a long time that historical data is great yeah like the truce hold they keep your data for 10 years and it's been really nice really oh yeah educational for us yeah i mean there's obviously like data formatting issues and you know stuff that the IT guys yeah, have to deal yeah. with. but so maybe we can jump through all those hoops yeah yeah
2: you know it's funny talking about attracting uh younger talent or uh tech talent uh chuck recorded this podcast um, a few weeks back with this uh i think he was younger college kid and was telling a story that they did this workshop at their university and the workshop was titled uh, this isn't verbatim but you'll get the gist and it was uh mapping subsurface uh oil and gas minerals and he said like five people showed up and then did the same exact workshop a few months later but renamed it leveraging artificial intelligence to map subsurface oil and gas like 200 kids no <laughs> sure yeah interesting a b test there. and so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, you know really educating people on the challenges that these old industries uh face and then leveraging new technology to solve those challenges is a big part of being able to attract uh, those those types of people and it's just kind of like that a team member that you alluded to that they mm-hmm. get excited once they see the challenges. Cause these are real challenges, mm-hmm. not, you know, creating some new uh notification cool. plugin <laughs> on, on, on <laughs> <Right>. a consumer <laughs> app. Right. So, right. Yeah. yeah.
1: They're real challenges, but they're achievable, which I think is fun too. Right. Yeah. So like you could go work for one of those autonomous car companies. Right. And, and they're eventually going to figure that problem. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right? We'll get there. Yeah. But, but, but it's like, you know, we're achieving things like every, every couple of months we're like, yep. New pipeline, New model and new stuff like it's, well, yeah, and, I, and delivering it to an end customer who's all excited i mean i've it, so. written
2: about the most impactful technology will come in the oil and gas space over the next decade and i believe that i had someone sitting here talking about their technology the other day um you guys would probably appreciate this you know working at boeing and raytheon but he's a um scientist and he's using he's using lasers to continuously monitor methane over thirteen thousand continuous acres i mean this is oh. huge and um you know he's out of stanford all of his background was in laser technology and got a grant from doe and that's i mean how is that not cool as shit first oh, off, yeah and then it's impactful as well today i mean it's working today and it has an impact that both help oil and gas companies from an economic perspective and also from a sustainability perspective as well so uh kind of to your point these are things that every couple of months you're making progress instead of you know Fully self-driving, which I'm on the same page as you. We're going to solve that, but longer time horizon. Yeah. I'm glad smart people
1: are working on that problem because yeah, being in the middle of middle of Wyoming, it'd be great to have that. <laughs> hey, take me to Denver, that'd be awesome. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> have you have
0: you guys really struggled with kind of getting over that hump of attracting the right kind of tech talent to energy?
2: Yeah, what's that look like in Casp? Like, kind of give us give us some. Um, context of what it looks like in casper in terms of uh tech talent because like you said you know not known as a a tech hub just like um, houston's not either
0: um i mean oil and and gas is prevalent there right so a lot of people should be somewhat conditioned to it but you you see it even here in houston there's people who lived here their entire life and just haven't been exposed to oil and gas I, i mean i was one of those i lived in college station growing up for 20 years and was never exposed to oil and gas my entire life you know, so I'm kind of curious, you know, how hard has it been to attract that kind of talent?
1: Yeah. So I don't think we, very rarely have we run into the like, oh, I'm not that interested in running oil, in, in yeah. oil and gas. You know, it's, it's it's part of the DNA of Wyoming and of Casper yeah. for, sure, for sure. So like even, I mean, I'm a part owner in a brewery in Casper. Even we kind of follow the oil and gas market, right? Cause that's kind of what, <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah, what, it's, that's yeah. what's pushing the economy. Right. Yeah. Um, So, so I, I don't think we've had that problem. I mean, there's definitely a, I mean, there's talent, and it's and actually maybe COVID's gotten a little better, which yeah. is, is kind of crazy, um, because people, have, you know, everyone went remote, and being in the middle of Wyoming sounds pretty great for people. Um, so there's there's not a ton of talent, but there's enough that we we have able to, we've been able to get, especially on younger talent, right? So mm-hmm. you know, getting you know people right out of one of these one of these coding boot camps or right out of school or something like that. Let's let's talk about we've a, that. We've done a pretty good job of that. Yeah, experience is is there's not a bunch of it. So, yeah. yeah, that's bad.
0: So so how is that? How is navigating, you know, there's not a lot of guys that that have tons and tons of experience. How are some of these these coding boot camps and are they really like've I've been a little skeptical because'm I'm, I'm just not sure whether that's enough time to really kind of get up to scale to really go into the market and make an impact without somebody having to come in and hold your hand. There used to be literally next door, there was a coding boot camp over there and there were some of the EMPs in town that were just hiring everybody that graduated out of there. (laughs) And so I was really curious whether they were actually going to be effective within this organization and could they upskill them very quickly or if they were just going in there and falling flat.
1: Yeah.
3: It depends. I mean, there's a, you know, we need a full stack of development. And so there's a portion of what we're doing that they work great for that. Um, and we're able to throw a lot of stuff at them, and they're able to get it done pretty quickly, and and uh, that's just fine. But there's definitely another layer of software development that that's not going to help us with. And mm-hmm. so we're needing somebody that's got a little bit more software development education and experience, uh, and that's been tricky. And And I actually think COVID's made that a little more difficult because now those guys can get a job anywhere Mm-hmm. They can work for anyone and get paid whatever they want. Which that's,
2: that's also changing currently, too, just on a macro perspective. Hoping I mean, so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's there's
3: definitely been an interesting wave.
2: Yeah. I mean, not to get too in the weeds into this, but I mean, when the Fed injects trillions of dollars into the market, I mean, you saw these companies' valuations just- Rise up, in um, everyone's compensation went along with that, both yep. on a cash basis and on a uh, stock option basis. And now that I mean, you see Shopify drawing down ninety percent. I mean, all of these big tech companies, Nine,
0: and the, on their valuation or headcount, market cap, oh valuation, ninety percent. Yeah, I mean that's Oof.
2: Airbnb, Spotify. That's all your big yep. tech companies, and with that, um, employee compensation goes down, and then layoffs are happening. I mean, you're seeing these companies lay off ten to twenty five percent of employees. So the market is definitely shifting and cooling off a little bit. But um yeah, trying to hire tech talent over the last two years has been an absolute nightmare because one, you can't afford them when you're a startup. And um, you know, I don't know if uh, I think you said the truth backed uh flow state, but um I mean, like we talked about with that Netflix engineer. I mean, these are people that make four hundred thousand dollar <laughs> salaries, right? And when they wrote Work remote um, you know they want they t- demand that that same pay, and so that becomes I mean talk about combo curve, you know our friends at combo curve talked about that problem with them for the last year's like we cannot find the amount of developers that we need to scale our product, and it's just a huge pain point
3: I think you're absolutely right. I think that that c- craziness is going to start to settle down and and we're hoping to find some people that see that reality, and you know we're pretty old school in terms of like trying not to Overpay people until we know that it's going to be a viable business. We can pay the bills and stuff. So try not to let things get out of hand so that
2: <laughs> I love how you deemed it old school yeah. no it's just <laughs> it's pragmatic yeah. and practical yeah. we just yeah. want to we be able to, to pay our bills customers
1: and revenue and <laughs> yeah. stuff know, we're super not gonna, old school <laughs> I, I know that's weird we're that's not going to have a flow state is, yacht bis- businesses
2: like uh, flow state and digital wall cutters are very in vogue now it's like oh you actually give a shit about bottom line and right. controlling burn can, and, we, can, yeah. can we yeah
3: is yeah. this check going to be good yeah. Um, yeah so yeah we're looking forward to writing through that but where we've been super lucky is our data science team actually we've got some rock stars that are right in Casper, and it, and it's kind of been a crazy story how we've accumulated those too. Uh, a couple of them actually were working R&D for a large um, operator in the industry who decided to downsize their data science team, and so we picked them up. And then we had another guy who was driving train. Like, you joke about when people think engineers are people who drive trains. Like, he literally was driving train <laughs> for Burlington Northern Santa Fe and decided I kind of don't like this job anymore. So he was doing night school for Johns Hopkins right there in Casper. What? Like literally, when we got his resume, Jared and I were like, "This can't be real." Yeah. Like, because you get crazy resumes when you
0: post How a job. How can it be a I mean, imagine just like go, like <laughs> you just might know have your staff, been really doing have his studies a while he was on the you train. Go yeah. You
2: know? from train conductor to studying at Johns Hopkins. Yeah, in, I mean, in that's in to, data yeah. and yeah. he's
3: amazing. Yeah. He's super smart. So it's been it's been kind of fun just picking up amazing talent out of random places too yeah so
2: that's that's awesome i love that being resourceful and where you find people is um i mean it's an edge
1: yeah Mm -hmm. you mentioned i think before we started the podcast but i mean casper's growing right and it's and i'm pretty bullish on it because it's kind of got some you know it's big enough that you know there's still there's an art museum in home depot right yeah there's there's the um but it's not huge our school our public schools are amazing yeah you know so so people that you get them at the right age right you know they're sitting in the middle of you know in the middle of phoenix right now and they have a kid they have a kindergartner it was really fun when i was in my 20s and now i'm looking at pri- private school and mm-hmm. commutes and all that kind of stuff so and, and and there's a place for them now yeah so yeah there's some 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 benefit we're getting from just kind of our location.
2: yeah benefit. for sure
1: even though you know our location is not because of that our location works really well for our customers too right yeah you know, we've got yeah we, and and the problem we're trying to solve means a lot to us because we got pipelines in our backyards yeah right so yeah it, it kind of hits yeah. Hits home. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean that that's important. I mean um, I've always said that the best energy tech companies, startups come from the industry. Um, so a solution like this was obviously, you know, came from the oil and gas industry. Hey, we got a problem. We need to solve this. Um, you know, I never believe that it's companies out of San Francisco that are going to solve oil and gas problems. Um, it's people yeah. up in Casper that are by the pipelines yeah. that are, are
1: and the truth is they don't want to solve it. You know, when I talk to my friends in San Francisco, they're not that interested in solving the an gas problem, you know. And, and and hopefully that changes, you know. Um yeah.
0: But I mean um, but,
1: but, but it means more to us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think with this boom it will change. Yeah. Naturally, the, the the interest will follow. Yeah. Not saying it's going to completely like everybody in at Stanford's going to be like, oh, "I'm going to oil and gas fat now," a, but I've had
2: a few podcasts over the last month that are all uh stanford stanford yeah. grads or I mean, there's more based the out of feu- Valley, future is so. energy
3: and water i think people will start realizing that yeah uh, i think over the
2: last six months people are starting to understand just how important energy is mm-hmm. um to society so that's um uh, you know part of our mission is raise energy iq across across the great. world because it's very important right so um you know i think that what y'all are working on is great i think that like i said multiple times in the show this is one of the most interesting intersections for me is um is this technology in oil and gas that makes a impact um both um economically and environmentally. So excited of what y'all are working on, how do people find y'all? Um if they're interested in um reaching out to hear about flow state and see if it's a fit for their company.
1: Our website's probably the best solution. Right. Flowstate
2: solutions.ai. Flowstate solutions dot AI. Mm-hmm. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Are y'all on LinkedIn? Can people mm-hmm. find y'all of course, on LinkedIn? Yeah. Yep. All right. Awesome. Well, appreciate y'all taking the time to come on the show today. Uh, super interesting stuff, guys. If you want to check them out, we'll drop the link uh, to the website in the show notes. Uh, You're wanting to hit the table. You're <laughs> slowing down really. <laughs> we got lectured before. Yeah. I yeah. Do not That's, hit the table. <laughs> and now he's hitting. Yeah, the table. I'm about to hit the <laughs> table. I'm like, I'm try not to hit the table. Don't want to mess up our mics here. But again, appreciate y'all coming on the show. Thanks. That's so much, been so.
3: nice talking with you. Thanks for having us. Yep, absolutely. Go, 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 go.